Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive podcast, where I am going to unpack the super sexy subject of how the midterm elections is going to affect your pet business. So there are several different subjects that came up in the midterm elections for uh, voting in different states and um, Fortunately, my uh, labor attorney that I use did put out some information on all of this. So I am going to try and explain a few things to you so you can be prepared for some changes that you need to make in especially your employee handbook and understanding some new policies going forward in how you relate with some of these issues in your pet business. So first of all, uh, one of the items that was on several states legislation was uh, recreational marijuana. Now in two states, Maryland and Missouri, that was actually approved uh, to allow recreational marijuana. Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota said to it. So there are now actually 21 states that uh, do allow recreational marijuana. So for those that, of course, allow it, and additionally for the new additions of Maryland and Missouri, that tends to make a few changes that you should consider in your employee handbook. Uh, Of course, many states also have the medical marijuana, which does honestly make you pause and consider some of your employment policies in your employee handbook also. So um, honestly, just using even Missouri as an example, make sure that you read your state's legislation. You do want to talk to a labor attorney, an HR expert, someone so you actually know your rights as a business owner. you know, with recreational and medical marijuana, you know, there's going to be, you know, probably I would say all situations, it's, you know, over the age of 21, uh, you know, situations, no public use, of course, they typically restrict driving while under the influence. And then, you know, there is a restriction there giving employers rights in the workplace to not have your employees using marijuana, either recreational or medical, of course. So a lot of this can get really confusing in the weeds if you don't have someone who can explain your own state law to you. So again, I'm not an attorney. I recommend that you talk to a labor attorney in your state and they can kind of help you, you know, swim through the weeds here to figure out what is actually going to apply to you. There's a lot of considerations based on your legislation. Um, You know, whether or not you do have to, with medical marijuana, possibly accommodate an underlying condition. Does an underlying condition actually qualify as a disability, uh, making it, you know, a situation where you do need to have some sort of reasonable accommodations with the duties? Uh, You know, 
of course, you know, <laughs> the concept of under the influence in the majority of states, they do say that, you know, you you are not protected in the workplace, whether medical or recreational, if you're the company that you work for has a policy against it. So um, general policy would be, you know, of course, not working under the influence, but you do need to have it written into a company policy. Now, there were some suggestions, you know, of course, this is relative to the state of Missouri, but honestly, a lot of these policy suggestions of things to have in your employee handbook are things that you should consider no matter what. Don't put any of this in your handbook just because somebody on the other end of a podcast is telling you to do it. But these are some things you really should start to consider. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the typical prohibited use of any alcohol, illegal drugs, other controlled substances or intoxicants of any kind, whether legal or illegal, on company property, in company vehicles, or while on company equipment. So, you know, we have to stop and think about how this affects us in the pet business, a pet industry, and of course, a lot of us doing in-home services. Uh, we are a safety, safety conscious, safety first industry. So I would assert that anything that we do, because we are dealing with security in homes, we are driving vehicles from house to house, uh, we are dealing with animals, all of those are very highly safety first situations. So um, a lot of these policies it could be very practical for you to consider. Uh, one specifically prohibit any employee from being under the influence of alcohol, marijuana, or other intoxicants, drugs, and any controlled substances during work hours, including breaks and lunch periods. Um, you know, specifically putting employees on notice of potential discipline if they are observed engaging in any prohibited activities. Uh, this is one that really stood out for me. Using prescribed medical marijuana or legal marijuana or other hemp-related products, which causes both the presence of the drug to be in the employee system and an impairment is a violation of the policy. Yeah, I think that is, that is a big concern because, of course, typically most employers, if perhaps let's say you have an employee that has an accident or you know some sort of an injury and you send them in of course as an employer you do have the uh, automatic option of choosing to drug test that employee which could then of course if they're found to be under the influence could potentially affect their workers compensation award and uh, you know when you have the consideration of of marijuana under the influence and positive testing just really creates a fat gray area you know in some cases you can test positive for marijuana for weeks after uh, the last time that you've used and uh, of course you know what under the influence actually means you know i know there are people who are completely functional whenever they use marijuana. Uh, myself, um, I'm a vegetable in front of the TV with a king-size box of corn pops. Um, I am non-functional. So, you know, there is going to be a complete difference between people 
as to what under the influence can be deemed as. So a lot of these gray areas, but I do like specifically the way that that policy is written that, of course, which causes both the presence of the drug to be in the employee system and an impairment is a violation of the policy. You know, same situation. It, it, it also specifies medical marijuana, specifies legal or other hemp-related products because, of course, the psychoactive effects of Delta-8 can be significant and as much as using uh, your marijuana products. So, you know, it does kind of cover everything in that. Um, You know, the main thing, of course, is that we do want to make sure that we have a safe work environment and that our employees are very clear that due to the safety issues of what we deal with it, it is not accepted in our workplace. It is something you want to possibly put additionally into your policies if you have a management team to make sure that everyone is trained on what being under the influence, the the behaviors, the physical signs possibly look like. So you do want to have, of course, your entire team, your supervisors be very hmm, educated on, on what, you know, a possible reasonable suspicion of being under the influence might be. Of course, we don't, we don't typically see a lot of our employees on a day-to-day basis. So you can't necessarily, you know, check for the uh, bloodshot eyes, but, you know, I've, I've had a situation with an employee before where, the messaging was so very erratic that I then had a phone call and it was very clear that there was something going on. So that was absolutely reasonable suspicion at that point. So that is just kind of an interesting area that employers are wading into right now is how to make sure that we are protected, uh, that we have clear policies in place on how things like this are going to be managed. If you do not have a policy in place, you could definitely be at a disadvantage if you were faced with a, a situation of an employee who was, you know, clearly under the influence and tested positive and there was some sort of an accident or injury. So make sure you get those policies in place. Of course, again, talk to a labor attorney or someone who is um, an expert in this area to make sure that you have everything written the way it needs to be for your specific state, since all of these things are uh, state-based. So I know, again, very, very exciting, sexy, sexy topic. Um, Another one that, um, you know, really doesn't necessarily need to be top of mind, but must be mentioned is, of course, the um, abortion uh, legislation. So there was some additional legislation in certain states during the midterm. Of course, all of this resulting from Dobbs versus Jackson that uh, allowed individual states to place limitations on abortion. So a lot of states had trigger laws that popped right into effect. Um, Of course, there there's nothing in the legislation that addresses potential impact on employers. So again, that kind of puts us in a bit of a gray area. Um, a lot of things uh, on reading as, you know, Title Title Seven may provide protections for, uh, for employees. Um, 
Religious institutions and organizations can restrict employees' reproductive options. Of course, businesses can't. You know, they had mentioned something about having privacy policies to shield employees from being required to disclose pregnancies, but all of that just honestly seemed like common sense to me as I was reading it. Bottom line, employee choice should have no impact on their employment or any determinations of their employment. I will just let it lie right there. Of course, minimum wage was a big thing in several states. Federal minimum wage, of course, is still a paltry $7.25, and there are still some states that hold to that as being their minimum wage. Nebraska, pretty interesting, raised from, um, I think they are $9 an hour right now. They are raising um, a stair-stepped through 2026 up to 15. So they have now become the 10th state to raise their minimum wage to $15. Uh, Nevada went up to 12 and they had a two-tier minimum wage based off of whether or not the company provided health insurance. Also, they're just going to a straight 12. Of course, in any of these situations, minimum wage claims, if you do have an employee that goes to your Department of Labor and files a claim, files a complaint against you, those are very, very costly. You need to be very well aware of what the minimum wage is in your state and, of course, if it's going to be changing. I know in my state, we are going from eleven fifteen for 2022 to $12 for 2023. So I have to, as part of my annual planning, make sure that I have my rates changed and everything kind of moved up from there. You know, you have to think that, your workers' wages when you have, you know, the minimum wage going up, therefore everything else does kind of stack up from there. Uh, We just recently had an employee that joined our team who was frustrated. She had been with the company for nine years, and because of the last couple of years of challenges for employers and the uh, inflationary Uh, aspects of, of course, wages for the labor market, that she found out that some of the brand new employees were within like 25 cents of what she was making after nine years. So that is a company that that is not seeing that your local market and your wages have to float up. So in other words, if you are having to escalate your employees, um, you know, several dollars more than you used to, then the ones that you're paying right now should elevate. And equally, the rest of your team should elevate also if you have to elevate your base, which is um, definitely a concern if you are close to minimum wage in your state. You know, a definitely a definite policy to consider is limiting um, limiting uh, limit restriction on employee discussions about wages to ensure legal compliance with all implicated laws right so you want to make sure especially from your company that you are including drive time you need to consider even if you pay piecemeal for your visits your uh, sits and walks that you are including drive time and that that still is far enough over minimum wage so you are protected in case there is some sort of a complaint or a disgruntled employee. 
You also need to consider that if they are driving their own personal vehicles, that you have to compensate them for using that vehicle. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to pay this basic rate for a visit and it's going to include their drive time and the use of their vehicle. There is really in each state, it's, it's very formulaic depending on your state and the cost, the expense of running a vehicle, operating a vehicle in your state. There is typically an amount per mile that is assigned as a cost of driving your own vehicle, which includes, of course, gas maintenance, wear and tear, everything. And if you don't provide at least a minimum wage plus that vehicle amount whenever you pay your employees, then you are, they're going to come down on you. So if you are saying like uh, the equivalent of minimum wage in your state is paying $9 for a 30 minute visit, because you figure it takes 45 minutes for them to actually do the visit and your minimum wage is $12, so you're covered on that, but yet you do not pay them mileage on top of it. You know, their mileage, the cost of driving their vehicle is going to be deducted out of that $9 and you will then fall below minimum wage. So make sure all of your numbers are adding up correctly as they should. And definitely, you're just going to get a certain quality of employee if you're only paying minimum wage. So make sure you're paying your people well. Make sure you have assessed your profitability and that you know you're going to be attracting the right kind of people to have as your employees. So um, gun laws, of course, there were gun laws that were passed. Make sure that you, you know the specific laws of your state. Um, best, probably best case scenario, instead of dictating anything about uh, guns with your employees is have really strong policies on workplace violence and no tolerance of that. And then, of course, we are just looking at the kind of makeup of Congress that we have now. We definitely have, uh, we definitely have split Congress, but of course, um, you know, the Democrats have retained control of the Senate, and many of us recently have been in that conversation um, and understanding that the, the Department of Labor regulations that have been suggested where ICs are concerned, that is totally still on the table because that is within the Senate and the Democrats still control the Senate. So um, it's, of course not something that is going to easily pass with a, uh, you know, split with the, the House being Republican and the Senate being Democratic. The normal legislation process is not going to be very clear cut going forward and will likely be very partisan, but the Senate will be able to use the rulemaking process to uh, push things like this um, independent contractor status still through the rulemaking process. So um, there have been many things on that. I would definitely recommend if you are still using independent contractors that you seriously evaluate how that is going to affect your business. I assert that there are not any businesses, any in-home pet services 
in the United States that are legally using independent contractors. So um, I put the challenge out regularly to companies in the United States to prove me wrong. I would love to see your model that qualifies as being legal, but uh, I have yet to have someone come to me with that. So something I am very well versed on is uh, employees versus ICs and how that is uh, built into, of course, our pet industry. So again, I put that challenge out there. If you think that you have a business with independent contractors that is run legally, then bring it on. I would love to know. So yes, like I said, this is a super sexy podcast, but necessary for everyone to understand how those midterm elections could possibly affect your pet business growing forward into 2023. So have a great one, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any input, by all means, you can get a hold of me through Pet Sitter Guru page or the Pet Biz Hive private Facebook group. You can also straight up email me. I read all of my emails at PetSitterGuru at gmail.com. Make it a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?